0: Lost
1: Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio, with over 250 guests and Hello. still going strong in their 12th year of weekly I broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday Or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula.
2: Well, hello everyone out there. Our guest today, John Robbins, is an author, social activist, and humanitarian, and is best known for his international bestseller book, Diet for New America. Widely considered to be one of the world's leading experts on the dietary link with the environment and health, John's work has been the subject of cover stories and feature articles in the San Francisco Chronicle, the Los Angeles Times, Chicago Life, the Washington Post, the New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, and many of the nation's other major newspapers and magazines. His life and work have also been featured in an hour-long PBS special titled Diet for a New America, the only son of the founder of Baskin-Robbins Ice Cream Empire. John was groomed to follow his father's footsteps, but chose to walk away from Baskin-Robbins and the immense wealth that it represented and pursue his deeper American dream, the dream of a society at peace with its conscience because it respects and lives in harmony with all life forms. I dream of a society that is truly healthy, practicing a wise and compassionate stewardship of a balanced ecosystem. And Taz and I say amen to that. You are now (laughs) listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm
0: Taz. Considered to be one of the most eloquent and powerful spokespersons in the world for a sane, ethical, and sustainable future, John has been a featured keynote speaker at major conferences sponsored by Physicians for Social Responsibility, Beyond War, Um, the Sierra Club, the Humane Society of the United States, the United Nations Environmental Program, UNICEF, and um, many other organizations dedicated to creating a healthy, just, and sustainable way of life. He is the recipient of the Raquel Carson Award, the Albert Schweitzer Humanitarian Award, and the Peace Abbey's Courage of Conscience. Award. The widespread media attention he has received has included numerous appearances on national shows, including Oprah, Donahue, and Geraldo. When John spoke at the United Nations, he received a standing ovation. And John serves on the boards of many nonprofit groups working toward a thriving and sustainable way of life. He is the founder and board chair in uh, Emer- uh, Emeritus of Earth Save International, an organization dedicated to health food choices, healthy food choices, uh, preservation of the environment, and a more compassionate world. John is also the active board chair of Youth for Environmental Sanity, yes, which, uh, educates, inspires, and empowers youth to take positive action for all life, um, on Earth. Uh, John, you know what? Thank you. Uh, Uh, for this
2: stirring the pot. This is incredible. (laughs) Well, welcome to our show, John.
3: Thank you. you. I'm glad to be here.
2: And looking back on your life, I have to say, it took a lot of courage on your part to to follow your dream uh, instead of your father's dream. I'm sure as being an only son, uh, that was very hard.
3: Well, it, it always takes courage for any of us to be true to ourselves in the face of expectations that would pull us in a different direction. And and there's always um, these challenges in our lives where, where people want us to do something or expect us to do something or to be somebody different than who we actually are. And when we make the choice to be true and to be authentic and to be real and, and to be who we are, what happens is we become more powerful. We become more responsible. We become more uh, congruent with our spirit. We became more. We become more capable of responding to the pain in the world uh, and the suffering in, in in ourselves and in others in a constructive and creative way. And I think that's the important thing: is that is that we find a way to address the the, the, the tremendous amount of deterioration and collapse and and suffering that is taking place today. Uh, in, in a way that's actually fulfilling spiritually, that is socially just, um, and that, that helps us create a, a thriving and sustainable way of life.
2: I know if, if we're listening internally, that gives us more space to actually observe what's happening on the outside.
3: It does. It does very much so, and otherwise we become kind of caricatures of ourselves. But one of the issues that's very much on my mind right Right now, um, is Proposition 37? It's it's the the Right to Know Act um, that would label uh, genetically engineered foods, and it's, it's uh, Proposition 37 in California. And they're, they're the opposition to Prop 37 is basically Monsanto and their allies, and they're spending more than a million dollars a day right now in TV ads that are buying a lot of confusion, and are swaying the polls certainly a great deal, and and soon to be effective. But they're but they're they're full of deceptions uh they, they are misleading, they are fraudulent, they are uh, ridiculous and 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 yet they're working it's it's the case of Monsanto buying uh legislation or or buying in this case uh, buying the, the prevention of legislation and and it's it's a really uh it's a test of whether we have a food movement in this country, whether we have a democracy in this country because if we let Monsanto have their way with us, we don't have a food movement if we let them decide what we are allowed to know and what we are not allowed to know about the food on our plates and the food in our supermarkets and restaurants and how it's been produced, and that they can legally restrict us from being aware of of how that food was produced, then um, really there's no informed citizenry. There's no democracy without an informed citizenry. And there is no conscious life without the, the basic building blocks of information about our food. Um, it's, it's very fascinating to me. All of these ads that they're pummeling us with right now, um, the No on 37 ads, never mention the words genetically engineered or the words genetically modified or the word GMO or anything equivalent. They, they are just ads that say, don't. You know, vote against 37 because it's a deceptive um, labeling scheme. Well, their ads are deceptive. There's nothing deceptive about 37, and it's not a scheme. It's an out. It's a very direct and above board effort to get la- labeling so consumers can have information. Um, you know,
2: John, um, I just want to put in uh, that I've really been out there telling people about Proposition 37, and I am totally shocked of how many people that I talk to don't even know what GMOs are.
3: Well, it's true, and and one of the reasons is because we don't have labeling, so people aren't, it doesn't come into their awareness to think about it. I'd like to explain, if I may, um, what they are. GMOs actually stand for, it's an acronym, it stands for Genetically Modified Organisms. Um, And and what this refers to are seeds and, and plants that grow from those seeds uh, that have been genetically altered. This is very, very different than the traditional way of breeding uh, and hybridizing plants. And you, you, you have some tomatoes, and you say, well, that's that was that was the one grew the best in this soil. It's the biggest, or has the most vitamin C, or uh, it has the best flavor, or whatever. And then you, you take the seeds from that plant, and you know, over time, you, you develop a variety that you ha- enhance the properties that you want to. Um, that's traditional plant breeding, and that's fine, and that's wonderful, and, and we've done some great things with it. What genetically engineering of food is is very different. It's the splicing. It's a very high-tech procedure in which they splice genes across species barriers. They splice genes from pigs into tomatoes. They splice beans from human beings into pigs. They splice genes from viruses into cauliflower. They splice genes from viruses and, and, and Uh, pesticide-producing viruses into corn and cotton. Um, And then uh, they create weird uh, Franken foods, really. Um, None of these foods, by the way, have yet shown any benefit to the consumer. The PR, I mean, Monsanto will say we need this to save the world and feed the world and so forth. But if their intent was actually to, to feed the hungry and feed the world, there are certain characteristics that predictably they would be seeking to develop in the genetically engineered plants they're working with. Um, it's not, not difficult to know what those would be. They would be seeking to develop characteristics like drought tolerance, like uh, in increased yields, uh, like uh, enhanced nutrient profiles, like the ability to grow on substandard soils, on highly alkaline or acetic soils. Um, like the ability, certainly uh, if they want to feed the hungry in the world, like the ability uh, to grow without expensive inputs, uh, high levels of irrigation or uh, lots of fertilizers, um, because those expensive inputs aren't, aren't widely available in, in parts of the world where people are hungry. The, the, it's obvious. Those are the characteristics. If you were coming from a benevolent perspective or a humanitarian perspective... Uh, wanting to help feed the world that you'd be seeking to develop in the plants you were working with. But, in fact, after 20 years, there is not a single genetically engineered plant uh, in production today or in the pipeline, to my awareness, that has any of those characteristics. What they have developed, what the GMOs that exist, and and there are a lot of them, um, most of our soy crop, most of our corn crop, almost all of our cotton crop, these are big, big crops, are genetically engineered, but they don't have any of the characteristics I just described. What the characteristics that they do have that have been genetically engineered into them are is that they are, uh, in the case of cotton and corn, they produce insecticides in every cell of the plant. They are living insecticide manufacturing facilities and that includes the corn kernels and includes the cotton seed that is made into an oil that sometimes finds its way into our food Um, and the corn kernel that is in all kinds of foods that we eat Um, and those those, every cell of that plant including those parts that we eat uh, are living insecticide factories Um, and and they also have uh, genetically engineered the characteristic into soy and many other crops to withstand unlimited applications of Monsanto's proprietary herbicide or weed killer called Roundup. They're called Roundup Ready Plants. And um, this enables the uh, farmer to spray, fall, fly over the field with a plane spraying Roundup, this, this weed killer, uh, again and again and again throughout the, the growing season, killing all the weeds, but not killing the, the, the genetically engineered plant. This has led to a great, great increase uh, in Monsanto's profits in selling Roundup. It's also led to a great increase in the use of Roundup and other herbicides similar to it and uh, has had very, very devastating effects on the environment, um, just spraying megatons of of this this insecticide. Um, Monsanto is and has been the, the primary player, in, in the biotech world, in the genetically engineering of foods. Uh, Monsanto previously was essentially an agrochemical company. They, they are the ones who brought us DDT. They are the ones who brought us Agent Orange. They said those products were safe. They weren't. Now they're saying that genetically engineered foods are safe. Should we believe them? Well, they have made it so, their power in Washington has been such, that they have been able to influence policy to the extent that there's been no requirement that there be pre-market testing of these uh, foods. So we don't know if they're safe. Now, there has been some testing on animals, and those tests are very alarming. They suggest very real possibilities that these foods may be producing allergies in people, leading to birth defects in people, increasing cancer rates in people, uh, producing autoimmune dysfunctions in people. Um, They are certainly doing that. Those things to the animals that are tested, we 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 greatly we're being guinea, but we're being guinea pigs right now, and exactly. we, and remarkably, we we don't even have labeling, so we don't know people don't know that it's in their food, they don't know which foods contain them and which don't, um, and this proposition thirteen thirty seven is not about making GMOs, um, it's not putting a warning label on it, it's not saying you can't sell it or can't buy it, it's not doing anything like that, although the, ads Im- the No on 37 ads imply they do. What Prop 37 would do is simply require foods that are genetically engineered to have a label that say-so. That's all. It wouldn't cost anything to the consumer because they would just put all- it doesn't cost anything to add that to the label that's already there. Um, Monsanto is telling us in their no 37 ads, um, uh, deceptively, that if Prop 37 passed, and I sure hope it does, um, it would raise the average family in California's annual food bill by three or $400. That's not true. There's no truth behind it whatsoever. Uh, there would be no added cost to consumers. Adding a few words to a label costs nothing. Labeling didn't raise costs at all in the 50 other countries that require labeling, and it won't raise costs here. Um, they, they came up with that figure through a, a PR company in Maine that they hired, the state of Maine, um, that, that asked did focus groups, and they tried to say, what number uh, would be high enough to scare people and influence their votes, but not so high as to lose credibility as to seem inflated? and they came up with the figure three to $400, and that's what they're putting out in their ads, as if it were the product of economic calculations. The PR company that came up with those numbers and that designed those ads has no economists working for them and has no economic expertise.
2: Well, what's frightening about uh, GMO is cross-pollination. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean... <laughs> Very much so, and, and uh, what happens... For example, let's look at corn. Corn is it uh, pollinates uh, through the air. The the pollen uh, drifts in the air and can can travel great distances. And you can't build a wall high enough around an organic cornfield, for example, to keep out the genetic drift uh, from a neighbor's um, uh, GMO corn. So there will always be some small amount of genetically altered material in some, for example, in organic corn, unfortunately, uh, now, but it's a very small amount, and and the Proposition Thirty Seven would not require labeling of orga- as GMO organic corn that has minimal amounts, trace amounts of GMO material. It, but when, it's, when when the the plant is is genetically engineered on purpose, um, it's a hundred percent GMO. So it, it, there's no difficulty in uh, making that distinction uh, through testing.
2: Well, I read, I was reading about GMOs before our show today, and they're even finding in the real rural areas of Mexico traces of uh, GMO in their corn.
3: It's true. Uh, in Mexico, is of course corn is the traditional staple there, and actually, uh, in the indigenous part of uh, Mexico and among indigenous cultures in Mexico corn is revered and play, plays a, a, a very unique and important role in, in their spiritual and religious traditions um, it is actually a, a sacred food for them and they, and they have very very beautiful varieties that they've developed um, we would call them heirloom their varieties but to them they're just the varieties that they've developed that are uniquely suited to their particular bioregions well Yes, it is uh, tragically the case now that, that even there, in remote parts of rural Mexico, there has been genetic drift, and we have some small measure of genetically engineered uh, material now present in the DNA, probably of every corn plant in the world. And, but we need to stop it, really. We need to stop this before it gets completely out of hand. Um, once you release things like this into the environment, they cannot be recalled. There is no way whatsoever to bring it back. This is a genie that is rapidly getting out of the bottle, and it's not a, it's not a friendly genie. Um, there, there are uh, very real reasons why we make the analogy to Frankenstein, Franken-foods we call these, uh, be, mm-hmm. because what happened in, in the myth of, or story of Frankenstein uh, that was written by uh, Mary Shelley, is that uh, a scientist trying to create life or play with the origins of life um, accidentally uh, creates a monster. Well, that's a metaphor for what we're, what is happening here. Uh, Monsanto didn't try to create a monster. They tried to create money, make profit. Um, but inadvertently, they've created a technology that has the potential to do unbelievable, incalculable, indescribable damage to life on earth. And it is already beginning to do so. And for goodness sake, the right to know, you don't even have to think genetically engineered foods represent a danger to be in favor of people having the right to know how their food is produced, what's gone into it, what is or isn't it. We have labeling that tells us how much salt is in a given product, and people with high blood pressure, for example, need to watch how much sodium they they take into their body. Many of us want to watch how much sodium we take into our body so that that information is useful to us. But it's not saying salt is horrible, salt is a poison, you should never eat salt. It's just informing people at the accurate information so they can know and make their own choices in an informed way. And the same thing is with the Right to Know Act, uh, Proposition 37, it simply would give people uh, the ability to know whether or not their food is genetically modified. And then, it, then they have the ability, if they so choose, to not buy it. Uh, that's what scares Monsanto. They don't want people to have that ability to choose not to buy their product. Their message to us is shut up and eat what you're told. And I think that in this case, ignorance about our food is not bliss, it's subordination. It's subservience to their agenda to control what we know, what we're aware of, what we think about, and what we eat. And they want to control that because they want to profit from us and extract the money from our wallets, and they don't care about our health, and they certainly don't care about our freedom.
0: Well, you know, I kind of wonder at this point just how smart everyone is because we're looking at cross-fertilization here. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you know, and if and our people water. People don't wake up. I mean, it's like everything uh, that they think is organic is no longer organic, and um, you know this is this has been going on for a while here. Uh, you know, um, and it's. Um, well, I we're want to talk asking, some more about thirty
3: seven and why it's important yeah. for our our listeners to to vote for a yes on thirty seven. And for them, for our listeners to understand what's at stake here, um, and I want to talk about some of these misleading um, and, even, and 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 lies, frankly, that are uh, existent now in the in the ads. Uh, one of the things that the ads are saying, that Monsanto's ads are saying, is that the law would require a warning label on on food products. And I want to make it very clear: Proposition 37 would require no warning label. Um, it would require an information label um, similar to what is now required for, uh, you'll, it'll say, ma- manufactured on, on uh, uh, the, in a facility that uses peanuts, so that a p- person with a peanut allergen who, who, uh, allergy who, who is extremely sensitive to that allergen can have that information. Um, uh, there would be a, a sign that would maybe say genetically engineered or, or a label that would say that the aim is simply to offer consumers additional information about the contents of the food they purchase it's not a warning there is no stigma attached now there is a, a fear that Monsanto has and i think it's justified that people would if the war, if the label were there they would some people some not everyone but some people would eat less of it or choose to buy less of it but people should have that right um mm-hmm. the the um Monsanto and, and, and their ads are saying that the safety and the benefits of uh, genetically altered food ingredients are well established. That's the word they're using. It's not true. There have been no long-term studies on either the safety or the benefits of GMO ingredients. And the reason there haven't been is because Monsanto has not allowed there to be. Um, they have no basis for making such a claim. Um, the, the, the FDA does not require safety studies of genetically engineered foods they should they don 't because um, key individuals in the fDA key, key people in key positions have been put there by monsanto, their former monsanto executives, their former Monsanto lobbyists, their former uh, monsanto vice presidents, and they then become in charge at the FDA of whether or not uh, labeling is required and whether or not um, Uh, testing is required, and they have made the judgment that um, no safety studies uh, are needed, and so they haven't been done. But as I said earlier, there have been some independent studies with animals, and they raise very serious questions about links to allergies and other potential health risks.
2: I know I took my dog, this is just an example, I took my dog off of dog food that had corn in it, and he had allergies, and the allergies stopped. So that's just a prime example
3: and that's interesting. The corn crop in, in, in today in the country, as for, for the last ten years, has been all GMO. By all I mean, over ninety percent. Um, organic corn is not. There is the the issue of uh, pollution, genetic pollution that we mentioned earlier, but that's minor. You can still be pretty safe with organic food. Um, but if it's not organic uh, in the in the world of corn, and also in the world of soy, then it's almost absolutely certain to be genetically engineered. Um, this is why I tell people, if you're going to buy anything that's made from corn or anything that's made from soy, and you want to avoid GMOs and the potential allergenic risks that we're, we're talking about, uh, go organic on those products. If you're going to drink soy milk, if you're going to get some to- eat tofu or tempeh um, or so, uh, a frozen dessert that's soy-based, um, get it from organic soy. Uh, otherwise, it won't say... But it will be GMO. Uh,
2: you know, when you were speaking, I, I'm not. I'm probably changing the subject here. But when you were speaking of pigs and uh, having human um, DNA put into the pigs, wouldn't that create like uh, the viruses that pigs get, the SARS, to be easier for us to get?
3: well there there is that possibility and it's even more likely if when if, if they start implanting the genes of other animals into humans now that hasn't been done yet but they are definitely um uh, um transplanting hum, human genes into the genetic structure of animals and even plants you know nature seems to have created barriers between species. You can't reproduce between species. That's the definition of a species. Um, um you, you, dogs cannot reproduce with cats. Um, they can get along or not, but they don't reproduce together. Um, and certainly animals and plants don't reproduce together. Um, but, uh, the genetically, uh, engineering technology or biotechnology has developed the, the ability to, um, to violate those boundaries and transgress them. Um, And with completely unknown um, consequences. Um, We have learned a lot about the human genome in the last 10 years. And what we've learned is there are far fewer genes than we expected. We actually have. The human being actually has fewer genes in our genome than rice does. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? We think of ourselves as the most complex and sophisticated creature that ever lived, and uh, we do have big brains, there's no doubt about that, but we have fewer genes than rice. Um, for, so one of the things we've, we've learned from that is, that is that genes have many, many uh, uh, characteristics and, and influences and effects. It's not just one gene produces this effect and this other gene produces another effect. And Because if it was all singular like that and isolated like that, then a, a being as complex as the human being would have many more uh, genes than a, a, a rice kernel, but we don't. And um, similarly, when we're playing with the genes in, in in plants and animals, they they have many effects. And one of the effects might be that it produces the Bt toxin, the pesticide in the corn or cotton plant, and that's what Monsanto wants and that's what they do. And But it has all sorts of other effects, too, that, that, aren't, that we don't even know what they are we don't even know how to look for them. Um it we're playing with uh, a technology here. It's like playing with fire, like but we're children playing with fire because we have so limited um uh, knowledge really of what we're doing. This is a technology that is truly in its infancy. And um so it's infants playing with fire. And infants playing with fire without an adult around. We don't have any surveillance, we don't the C D C isn't watching people. If there was labeling if Proposition 37 passes and we get labeling of genetically engineered foods, of GMOs, then what would happen is, if a mother's child was feeding a, a Gerber's baby food to, to, to her, her child, to her baby, and, and uh, it was made with, with corn that was GMO, it would say so. And then, if that child had an allergic response or got ill, it direct, and she then takes the food away and, and the child gets better, gives the it goes back to it. the child gets sick. She's got a pretty good idea that that child probably shouldn't be, be eating that. And so she might now keep it away from it. But she, she could then go to her pediatrician and report this information. The pediatrician could go to the CDC with that information. There would be surveillance. We would be tracing it. We could track it. And this is Monsanto's big fear. Because if, they, if there was surveillance and we could tra- track it and trace it, the health consequences of these foods, there would then be liability. And from a financial point of view, that is what they fear really? the most. They fear that more even than losing market share as a result of people, uh, fewer people buying the products if they got labeling. Um, <laughs> the big fear they have underlying this massive effort to intimidate the public into voting no on 37 is that there would be a tracking there would be surveillance there would be liability and they have every reason to believe from their studies that they have not released to the public that um, that would lead to financial catastrophe for them and that's because it is in fact leading to uh, a health catastrophe for people and we, we really need to not let monsanto run roughshod over our right to know what's in our food we're, we're, we
0: work. are we're, we're like being treated like lab rats. We I are mean, exactly, you know.
3: be, yeah, and it's even worse because with lab rats, you have rats in a cage, and, and 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 scientists are doing something to them, and there's a control group, and they're doing something else to that control group, and they're watching to see what are the differences in result. Uh, hopefully, to learn something perhaps of uh, use to humanity or to somebody. In this case. There we're a bunch of lab rats, all right, being fed this food, but nobody is even tracking. There's no control mm-hmm. group. There's no surveillance. There's no, there's no research being conducted. We're just mass, it's a, we're, we're being treated like guinea pigs or lab rats without any scientists around. That's what I mean. There's no adults, infants playing with fire, nobody watching, nobody taking any responsibility for the safety or well-being of the public. Right. The yeah. FDA should be doing that. But the FDA, they put people in place in these key positions of the FDA to make these rulings that come literally, in the revolving door, as it's called, from Monsanto. These are people who are very highly paid um, to do the bidding of this corporation that has been, many polls, what's the most hated corporation in the world, Monsanto has won. Well, there are some
2: countries that won't even let them in, right?
3: That's right, and and you know when I see Monsanto being awarded uh, the, the the dubious honor of, of the most hated corporation, I'm impressed because you know the the, the competition is pretty stiff. There's some other companies. <laughs> I'm thinking of BP. This you know I'm thinking of Halliburton. I'm I, we've got some some bad actors, unfortunately, and in, um, in the in the Corporate world, and I have to say, Monsanto is 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 as bad as any, or worse.
2: You know, uh, Whole Foods at the beginning of when thirty seven first was on the ballot, they were against it. Now, because of some pressure from people, they're neutral. But they did write an article that they did, were against it because of lawsuits. So when I was thinking of lawsuits, I was thinking of lawsuits, toward, you know, against Whole Foods. But now you're talking about Monsanto, so this totally makes sense.
3: Yeah, you know, um, Whole Foods tries to avoid taking political uh, stances. Um, their CEO John Mackey is a libertarian, and he tries to avoid that. Um, the company is a is a food. It's a big supermarket. Uh, it's better than Safeway, you know. Um, um, the The interesting thing is that the the, one of the things that the, uh, the No on 37 campaign, Monsanto and its allies, are saying um, is that there would be uh, a lot of lawsuits if um, 37 were to prevail. Um, and please do vote on thir- Yes on 37. Um, there, there won't be more lawsuits. Um, that's absolutely ridiculous. There, is, there are no incentives built into the law, and in fact there are disincentives built into the law. Uh, for that what would happen is that uh, the companies would label the product Um, and that's what would happen there wouldn't be lawsuits Um, this is a the the, the trial lawyers association has nothing to do with the uh, writing of this legislation Um, they have nothing to do with the um, visioning of it I know the people who created it Um, the ads say they're special interests they're not they people. I, I like to think they're kind of special people, frankly, but I'll tell you who's a special interest. Monsanto's a special interest.
2: What's well, the grassroots movement? In fact, It is, I'm going and,
3: and we, we got over a million signatures, individual people. Uh, we're not paid, by the way, to sign. We're not paid to, to get the signatures, but um, over a million people in California signed the petitions leading to Prop 37 being on the ballot um the the uh it is it's astounding to me um that some of the uh, nonsensical talking points that Monsanto comes up with um they they're saying that Prop 37 would serve the purposes of a few special interest groups like the like the uh, lobby the uh lawyers associations at the expense of the majority of consumers um I, I find myself almost dumbfounded by the twistedness of this logic. Mm-hmm. All the polls have showed that a majority of consumers want GMO food to be labeled. Um, it, it, I, you know, you, you start to wonder about when you see them resort to such absurd talking points um, and such deception, you start to get very cynical about their their efforts, and you realize they will say whatever they think Will influence voters to vote against this proposition, whether or not it's grounded in reality. They don't ask if something is true, if it's accurate, as a criteria for whether they say it in their ads.
2: And they're no holding
3: them, their feet to the to the basic fire of truth. It's it's as though we of a society, as a society, have there's something about our public discourse, our our, our, our public conversation that's degenerated to the point that um, we don't require that something be true in order for it to be considered valid and part of the conversation. And, and, and that, to me, is actually almost the definition of insanity. Uh, and it certainly opens the door to flagrant dishonesty and uh, uh, flagrant abuse of the public trust and uh, flagrantly false advertising.
2: Well, after hearing th- their ads, it has made me not believe in any political ad I see because of the way they twisted everything. I'm thinking, well, every other ad would probably could be twisted the same way. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. true. You know, one of the things that consumers can do. Well, I I I, I have some expertise on Prop 37, but I, there's a lot of uh, propositions on the ballot that I don't, and I'm and and in that I'm 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 similar to all the rest of us, and and. What I try to do is say, well, who's supporting this proposition? Who's on the other side? Who's funding it? Who's funding it? Who's fighting it? Um, and I and I think that that will give me some indication of who I would be al- aligning with, voting for or against. And that's sometimes telling for me. And I'll, I'll tell you who is behind who's funding the No on 37 ads. It's Monsanto, to the tune of 10 million dollars so far. DuPont and the, the other large um, GMO company, uh, BASF and Bayer, two other companies that, that, that produce uh, generically engineered foods and agrochemicals, Dow Chemical Company, and also interestingly, Pepsi and Coca Cola and the Grocery Manufacturers Association, which is the trade lobby of processed foods. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Pepsi and Coke are involved in this, and they're spending many millions of dollars, uh, is because they use corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup. And it's cheaper when it's GMO, so they they like that, and they're trying to keep their costs down. And they don't care, um, they don't want to have to, you know, actually put actual sugar as if that's such a great thing in their product. But these are junk food companies, and these are agrochemical companies, and they are pesticide companies um, that are um, behind the no campaign. Who's in favor of yes? The Consumers Union, the Center for Food Safety the California Council of Churches, the American Public Health Association. These are the groups, and I'll name a few more, that are have come out endorsing and funding and supporting, yes, on 37. The Organic Consumers Association, the California Nurses Association, the Sierra Club, Public Citizen, the Environmental Working Group, Food Democracy Now!, the United Farm Workers, the Consumer Federation of America. The list goes on and on of consumers groups of public interest groups, public safety groups, public health groups working for for the betterment of our world and, and uh, a safer and healthier uh, environment and, and uh, food supply. And these people are all in favor of Proposition 37.
2: Now, is there a plan B in case it doesn't pass?
3: Well, no. Um, if it doesn't, what we'll do is we'll feel heartbroken and frustrated and angry and We'll get up the next day and do what needs to be done. I mean, there is a. The food movement in this country ha, ha, is fighting um, a, a tremendously entrenched interest. Um, the money that big agriculture, that the, the agrochemical companies, the industrial agricultural machine, agribusiness, is making off of selling us foods that are dangerous to the environment and their production, dangerous to our health and their consumption, um, is is just. It's 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 almost incalculable the, the profits, and they don't want to give that up. So, the movement is fighting some very entrenched vested interests. The status quo is is mobilized against us, but in time we will prevail. Uh, it just takes time. Well, this is a very big battle. It's not the whole war. If we lose this battle, it will be a definitely disappointing. But we will then fight other battles, and in time we will win the war. Um, it, it is a war. It really is. It's a war over dinner. It's a war over what you're allowed to know and be aware of, whether the food that's on your plate and in, in, in the supermarkets and in our restaurants is healthy or not, whether it's produced in a way that is, is uh, in harmony with the natural world or whether it's poisoning the natural world. Um, these are big decisions, and, and, and we're fighting very, very big vested interests here so the plan b is just to keep going uh, if it wins um by the way monsanto will be in court on the next day make no make make no mistake however it was worded very carefully a lot of thought went into this uh, how the legislation is written anticipating that um and it will certainly we, we may see national legislation requiring labeling um soon enough because well, I heard other
2: states are going to put it on their ballot
3: you know, they will. They will. And, and you know, it's came in, in this year alone, earlier in 2012, both uh, Connecticut and Vermont came within a whis- whisker of, of uh, uh, requiring labeling in their states. And what happened was very close to the, to the com- fulfillment of that, of, that, of that legislation in each state. Monsanto threatened to sue the state if the legislation were to pass. And in one case, it was the governor. In the other case, it was a key person in, in the uh, state's uh, House of Representatives that curtailed the measure uh, on the grounds that though they recognized that the citizens of, that, of their states did indeed want labeling, they didn't want to burden the citizens of those comparatively small states with the financial uh, burden of fighting Monsanto in court. Basically what happened was Monsanto intimidated these Connecticut and Vermont by bullying them and threatening to sue them. Um, they can't do that to California, though. California is, a, is, a, is an economy that is orders of magnitude larger and is not susceptible to that kind of intimidation. And Monsanto knows it. Um, so they're not even talking about it. Um, we have here a chance... Um, You know, it's interesting. In the presidential election, and I think it's a very, very important election, um, there are certain states that are considered swing states, Ohio, um, Wisconsin, Florida. California is not considered a swing state. It is is assumed, and I think rightly so, that California will go to Obama. Now, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't vote in, in the presidential election. Your vote still means something. But in Ohio, your vote means a great deal more, perhaps, uh, in this particular election in terms of the presidency, because it's a swing state. But when it comes to the issue of genetically engineered food labeling, California is, simply put, the only swing state and the clear swing state for the whole nation right now. And so when it comes to Prop 37, your vote means a tremendous amount. You're actually voting for the whole country. And... um, uh, I'm trying to help our, our listeners understand how important it is to pass Proposition 37, the right-to-know act that was labeled genetically engineered foods. Um, proposition 37 is a, an entry point into a safer food supply. Uh, it's, an, it's an entry point into a healthier way of producing food. It's an entry point into enhancing the democratic process where we as consumers We as eaters, people who eat, are are allowed then to know more about how our food is produced and therefore allowed to make more informed choices. That is basic. No one's trying to control what choices anybody makes. What we're trying to do is allow everyone to have the information so they can make choices and you can make choices and I can make choices and everyone can make choices that are in accord with our own Values and criteria for making the decisions we want to make. Without the information, without knowing which foods are GMO, we don't know what we're doing. We're eating in the dark, and that's how Monsanto's, Monsanto wants us. You know, I, I want us to eat in the light. I want us to live in the light. I want us to have more more awareness and 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 consciousness in how we live. And and there is actually a war on awareness going on. And and this is it.
2: I know. No, farmers, I think people. Farmers, I was going to say That's farmers pathetic. markets are getting more popular, popular because of this reason.
3: Yes, when you go to a farmer's market, you you first of all you meet the farmer. You know where it's grown. It's a wonderful thing, actually. I I love farmers markets. Um, I, I I shop at them myself very often. We're we're very lucky in in uh, in California that our, our climate uh, pro- allows us to have a, a terrifically uh, a, a wonderful um prolific uh locally grown food supply most of the year. Um and so you get to meet the people, you know if it's organic or not, um if it isn't you can find out what kind of sprays they've used and how often. Um you you get to and the food is fresh and it's it's um uh, you see it and smell it and and the colors are gorgeous. It's really a different experience, isn't it, than shopping at Safeway.
0: <laughs> Certainly is. <laughs> yeah. Well, supporting our health is, is everybody wants to support their health, but they don't really know what goes into it here.
3: And, no, they um, don't. And, that, again, this is why um, it's it's wonderful that we have organic labeling, and that means something. Organic certification means something. Uh, it means, for example, that there, there's no no GMOs in it. Uh, it means that the food was grown without pesticides. Um, it, it means a lot of different things. It means that the food wasn't irradiated. Uh, it means that it was grown without synthetic chemical fertilizers. It's grown with organic soil soil uh, enhancements. There's a lot of the good things about organic food. Now, a person may or may not choose to buy it. Sometimes it costs more, unfortunately. But it is available to make the choice because you have the information. Um, and it is against the law, it is criminal to lie about that. If somebody doesn't have organic certification and they're not growing organically and they say they are, that's false advertising, that's defrauding the public, and if that is found out, um, they will be penalized uh, heavily. That's not fair. That's against the law, and it should be. Well, we're, we want to increase the awareness now and also allow us to know which foods are genetically engineered. Um, it's I, I actually, there's certain labels where we have on some products it says fair trade. That's because there are some crops, chocolate, coffee amongst them, uh, which in some cases are grown with slave labor. Uh, and fair trade practices prohibit that, of course. Um, and it would, I'd like to live in a world where there was no slave labor in any of our foods or, or products, but we're not in that world, so the least we can do is know which are the ones that are aren't exploitive like that, the the, the, the movement to to, to have more information about the food we eat, I think is critical. And and I'd like people to know uh, which foods are healthier and which ones aren't. And I'd like them to know which ones are produced in a a way that's in in alignment with their values and which ones aren't.
0: Well, you know, John, if you think about it, you're looking, you know, if people can just hear the words, you know, where they can inoculate a seed, like put a needle into a seed and alter what goes into it and use substances that we are not even, uh, that aren't even healthy for us. And yet, you know, like we are part of the lab rat uh, aspect. And people don't think about that because they think that everything has just grown uh, they don't have time to think.
3: That's um, right, and, and that, a lot of us don't, and and that's why the, the labels would provide an instant piece of information right there on the package, um, and then you could make the choice. Um
2: and what what about the animals that are fed corn, GMO well,
3: corn? Animals, uh, you know, for example, meat from uh, livestock who have been fed. Genetically engineered feedstuffs, corn and soy and so forth, would not be labeled as GMO because even, for example, you if you ate some uh, genetically engineered soy or corn, and you probably have without knowing it, that doesn't make you a genetic doesn't change your your genome. It doesn't make you genetically engineered. It may make you ill. Um, It it may may harm you, but it doesn't change your genetics. It doesn't. It's not. You haven't become a genetically engineered organism as a result of eating genetically engineered foods. So in alignment with the, the, um, the way it's done in the European Union and in the over, over 50 nations that have uh, already labeling requirements, uh, totally c- keeping uh, that pattern, we don't, in 30, in Prop 37, ask that there be labeling of food from animals who were fed GMO feed. But if the animal itself is genetically engineered, then it, does, then it does need to be labeled. And we, um, unfortunately, we are on the verge of having a frankenfish. There's a, a salmon uh, that has been genetically engineered. It is not on the market yet, but it is very close. We're talking about frankenfish, and it's, it's something we, we, I particularly want to stop could there's a whole other discussion about the, the health and safety and environmental dangers of, of this genetically engineered salmon, um, but the would point it be put in
2: the rivers? I mean, it would I mean would it be able to uh, spawn with the uh, fish that aren't?
3: Well, that's the whole point. They they would be growing in fish farm, but they'd get out and then they'd mate with um, and they'd have this tremendous growth advantage because they grow much faster. Yeah, they soon take over and then probably uh, end up. You know, if you have an island with deer on it. And the deer population grows too fast, and you get too many deer. What will sometimes happen is they eat all the, the plants that they can eat, and um, then they all die out. And you can actually, the population can die off completely um, because it's, it's out of balance um, in, if the predators are removed. What happens in this case, which is what would happen with the salmon, is these gene, genetically engineered salmon, salmon normally actually grow two months of the year. And ten months of the year, they they don't grow. They, but they've re, they've they've altered the genome of the salmon in such a way as to so they grow all twelve months of the year. They grow six times as fast in a year as the uh, typical salmon. Holy!
2: Um,
3: they they're they're just they're, they eat voraciously, um, and and as a result of that, they if they got out and took over, they would um, cons- whatever it is that salmon eat in a given. Um, marine biosystem, um, they would decimate it. They would eat it all up. And then they might die off, and we might have the end of salmon on Earth. Um, there are many other uh, catastrophic uh, implications to frankenfish, to genetically engineered fish. The, my point right now is that Proposition 37 would label um, genetically engineered animals uh, or products from genetically engineered animals. Um, be it fish or pork or beef or poultry or dairy or but it wouldn't require the labeling um of um, uh, meats or animal products from animals who were not genetically themselves and not themselves genetically engineered but were eating genetically engineered feed and that's again as I say that's in lo- alignment with the way it's done in the European Union already um, it's we're trying to create a <laughs> a global system that makes sense here.
2: Well, I would say leave it up to Mother Nature.
3: (laughs) Well, indeed, this whole tampering with with the the genome um, for private profit is a dubious enterprise. And it's almost philosophically um, uh, uh, questionable at at best. if it were in the hands of people whose whose intent was to feed the world, whose intent was to create uh, crops that, that produce more protein or more vitamins or antioxidants, you know, enhanced nutrient profiles, if if, if it was in the hands of people whose intent was to produce um, plants that could grow um, and feed the world, then we'd have a different discussion. It is not. It is in the hands of Monsanto and others who make, put out billboards or PR as if that was their intent but it is not.
2: Well, in they're, fact, and, I've 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 read that the crops are actually smaller.
3: Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're they are trying to control the world's food supply so they can profit from it. It is a power grab. It is um it's ugly and we want to stop it. And Prop 37 is a way to say no to Monsanto and yes to a safer food supply.
2: And California can lead the way.
3: It can, and it is right now. We have it on the ballot. We have the 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 the, the California Right to Know dot org c a Right to Know dot You can go to that website and get all kinds of information about it. I'm going to repeat that website c a r i g h t Right t o k n o w c a Right C-A-right to Know dot org and. Um, right to know. Do we have a right to know what's in our food? Do we have a right to know how our food is produced? Well, we're going to find out. It's up to us to answer that question with how we vote on Prop 37.
2: And while we're plugging uh, websites, let's plug yours. Yours is it Info,
3: Info. Oh. yes. Or yes. another one, that better yet even, is foodrevolution.org www.foodrevolution.org
2: And on your website, there's articles. um, There's a lot of information for people to go to.
3: Yes, and a lot of ongoing um, um, updates about Prop 37 and related issues um, that are all about people wanting to know how their food is produced and what are the health consequences of different foods and uh, what is nutritious and healthy and what isn't, and and how you can live a life that's strong and powerful and clear and and beautiful.
2: Well, we thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an hour's worth of information that people needed to know.
0: So, well, yeah, okay. uh, you know, bringing forth the observations that people really need to look at, and uh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much.
3: Well, thank you, and thank you for your help, and thanks to all of our listeners. Um, thank you for listening and thank you for paying attention. Thank you for the gift of your attention and, and thank you for working. Thank, vote for 37. Yes on 37. Tell everybody, yes on
2: 37. 37. Montana yes. was
3: lying to us with their, their no on 37 ads. Vote yes on 37.
2: Thank you, John. Okay. We were just talking to John Robin. He's